Welcome everyone to Real Clinicians, Real Chats, where we delve into the reality of clinical challenges and also completely stuff up uh, people who help our podcast's names. Uh, our uh, music is done by the wonderful Clary Loops, not Carly Loops, and it is actually a clarinet, not what I originally thought listening to it. For some reason, my mind went flute. So apologies immediately. We're, we're, we're off to a roaring start with our first podcast. Well, I think it <clears throat> illustrates what we're about. Uh, maybe some messiness. <laughs> um, in other news, Ruby was uh, okay with, with the mistake and she um, likened it to a time where she was called Carl Loops. So I think um, we're all good yeah. there. We haven't made. I didn't make the two. The two. Uh, two mistakes. I made some. I. I thought she didn't. Like, well, this is this is great. Um, but I, yeah, stuff up her name. Didn't also misgender. So it is beautiful music, though. Can Absolutely, we just that was re-acknowledge? that was never in question. <laughs> uh, so no. I, I'm Alex Murray. I'm a, a podiatrist and strength and conditioning coach based in Canberra. And I'm Kit Wisdom, a physiotherapist out of Melbourne. Perfect. And now you can follow us on social media um, if you like what we're talking about. I'm the Rehab Podiatrist, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, unfortunately. Where, where can people find you, Kit? Um, I am Wise Ways Kit on Instagram, uh, wisephysiotherapy.com.au. Uh, Wise Physiotherapy on Facebook, and I am not on TikTok. Yes. <laughs> if you like what we're talking about, you want to hear more, you want to get involved with us, uh, we are both mentors, we are both professional development uh, content creators uh, for both courses and also for individual clinics. So you can get in contact with us through our social media, through our, um, our email address, Real Clinicians, Real Chats. Uh, so, yeah, that's where you can find us and get in contact. Really what we're here to talk about today, what um, a topic that's really important to us and why we thought it was, uh, it should be our first point that we, we uh, tackle is the Therapeutic Alliance. But before we dive in, what we want to do is, is reflect on our first chat. Well, really what we want to do in all of our podcasts is have a re- have a reflection of, of some of some sort and, and we decided to, to talk about today uh, what came up for us after our first chat. Kit, do you want to hmm. share your thoughts? Oh, sure. Just jump right in. Um, I had a couple of reflections. Um, personally, uh, it's evidence that I actually got through the, the conversation on the podcast without perishing, which was, you know, really important to me, that experience to prove that I can um, do something that I'm afraid of. Um, So my reflection is both yay for me and yay for Alex for supporting me through that process. Um, And my other reflection was more around um, some of the feedback I got from people that I work with or who listened in and who were really appreciative of 
I know it's the start, but having conversations as a way of learning um, because I think what I've heard from them is, is once we've started having some conversations, they've really embraced the space and the safety to not be judged and be able to, you know, explore what they think and, and that that, safe then, that space then becomes really important to them and how us being able to do this um, on a podcast is actually kind of a, a really supporting their process as well um, because they can sometimes feel like there might be some places in our healthcare world where it's too risky for them to engage in conversation. Um, so I think, you know, it was really lovely to hear people's feedback around um, feeling like this was going to be supportive and um, kind of as well. I felt like they were part of the part of the conversation already, even though it's only number one. We were getting ahead of um, ourselves, but but seeing that not that we were correct, but we, we saw a, a need and that as people sort of we've created already achieving what we wanted to achieve in that in this sort of space. That's nice. Hmm. Yeah, it was really lovely to hear. And I think again, um, it feels like we're you know, we're helping people in what they are saying they need as well. Um, so it's not just what we think, but um, getting that sort of feedback from both patients and uh, clinicians, I thought was quite mm. cool. Because yeah, we are. I think if there's something that, and I think we we talk we're going to talk a bit about it today is yeah, if we're not always getting things right, and part of what we want to do with our reflections is 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 take time to to go over, to go over things and and think about them and and learn not just taking things on the face value, but then go back and go what what went well, what didn't go well, what's actually happening. Yeah, let's have that that thought process or a conversation. Mm, yeah. What about you, Alex? What What's your reflection from last time? So I think the thing that, that stood out to me most was, and we're going to have some overused words in this podcast, yeah. 100%. One of them is going to be journey. Mm. A journey. <laughs> um, I mean, thinking about what we talked about Think and, and and that sort of process of sharing both of our journeys, uh, from where we started and where we first graduated all the way through to where we are now, it not only highlighted my own sort of my own journey. I'm already hating that word, um, but my own sort of how I changed and how I developed. How it wasn't overnight. Just thinking back and I, and and what came up is I always think of the the point where, you know, if you think you're not growing, go look at your clinical notes from like a year ago and you'll be like, what was I thinking? Mm. Um, that that process of growth is often invisible to us on a day-to-day basis. And so we need to build in some points um, that actually help us sort of ground ourselves. But the other point was is hearing your journey. It's so easy um to look at other people and go, wow, look at where they're at and I'm crap or man, it's, you know, I've, I've got to learn all these things and I've got to be there and I've got to catch up to a, to a certain degree or although I'm not anywhere near as good a professional because I'm not where that person is. And so hearing where you are, because so many people, when we think about interviews and uh, podcasts where we have experts on, we hear about their their achievements, which are like they, which is not not a, a knock against it. We hear about all the great things that they've done, 
And it's sort of, you can look at them and go, wow, like that person is just an absolute genius that is perfect. And we're not getting that chance to hear of actually, you know, I, I did spend, you know, a whole bunch of time, you know, practicing this or doing this. And it was a process of growing and developing. And, and that's what comes up in our conversation where, you know, I'll mention something, we'll be talking about something and be like, that's where I was. And this is where I am now. I think it's emphasizing that, that process of, of, or it is a process of development that we aren't going to get from one place to another really quickly. We, we should be careful of looking at other people, even though I still 100% do it. Um, look at someone and be like, wow, you know, I got to work hard. I got to be, got to be where they're at. Got to know everything that they know, but you know, when we're only seeing the best, the best of them. So that, that's sort of what showed up for me. And I guess it's sort of a, a cautionary point. I guess why we want to share more of mm. our journey there's the word again uh just kind of show people that it's not just we're great you know listen to us we got it right the first time <laughs> but i think um it speaks to this point around reflection is the way that we can stop and see where we've come from is by intentionally slowing down looking back and looking back in a way that looks for both you know what i'm doing well and where did I, you know, make some mistakes or, or where can I go better? I think, you know, this, we're speaking to the, the actual theme that I think we need more of or um, more time for or value more um, is this ability to reflect. Um, so I think it's a lovely point. I don't think reflections as well mm. actually contribute to professional development. I think you actually have to, in the podiatry one, you actually have to do a physical audit. So that's something right. that could change. Well, I think also, totally, and I think also, um, again, reflections might feature, but what are we reflecting mm. about? So I think that's also the nuances around are we reflecting on who we are as practitioners, how we did that well, you know, what should we bring, what moment do we think was really important, you know, depends on the content of what we actually want to reflect mm. on. So if we head into the the chat we want to have today about therapeutic alliance, I think we were sort of talking before about what we wanted each of us sort of, what are the big points? What are the key points that come up? And I think we've got two different, not two different, but two, what we focus on is, is both different and expansive on each other. Hmm. I think what, what we were speaking to was trying to see the therapeutic alliance or the relationship as something that continually evolves because we do. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, maybe seeing it not as a hierarchy or necessarily someone's better than the other, but seeing it as a progression or, a, you know, an, uh, an unpeeling of an onion mm. um, or, a, or a, you know, a shedding of layers or a, a growth, like trying to see it in a circular way. Um, and that we've got different points based on um, where we are as, as clinicians, as people, and the, and the clientele that we work with as well. I think that's that's like an important point because like there's there's different points we can when we're talking about a relationship we can look at it on I guess not more a superficial level is not not the way to to put it but on a more there's there's we can look really deep into it but we can also look at the things that we can start doing straight away and I guess we don't want to say one's right one's wrong or that you have to do everything that's probably the 
it speaks to my reflection immediately on on you know it's a journey and it's a process but I guess we wanted to talk about yeah different points that build on each other and not make people think that um that we have to do it all in one go Mm. well and I think um you know we were chatting a bit before we started around how we would frame this and I think you know potentially um orienting ourselves to how we've been mostly taught at uni has come out of a paternal lens and it's been um, you know the word professional has been used and we have learned how to be a professional but potentially the way we've kind of taken that on um, has created a disconnection from the patient so I think you know what we were talking about was this this developing a therapeutic alliance and how the relationship is so important perhaps we need to really look at how our relationships uh, how we've been taught mm. and then how we might have to actually kind of start to perhaps look at how we can shift and evolve or shed some of the layers to use the onion metaphor. Mm. Well, we can, do we want to start, start at that point? Let's, let's I've got some there. thoughts about professionalism. <laughs> let's go with that. I think about like the way that I, I was taught the way that I, I approach a lot of things like taking on new roles is taking on, especially when I'm not feeling as confident is taking on this idea of what I think that person should be and that person should do and how they present themselves. So we think about mm. uh, people in healthcare, you know, the doctor, the allied health professional, like whoever you are, they're supposed to be in our sort of zeitgeist, the, the correct word or, or our sort of societal understanding is their moral upstanding members of, of society that they're incredibly knowledgeable but also then that has to come out in every single conversation we have with them they have to sort of almost be mm. stiff robotic on point very sort of stern um you know always making those you know salient points that they're not almost really what what it's kind of doing is almost taking out the humanness in them and mm. potentially why we're sort of so, you know, it's so uh, grieving that, that they, they make a mistake. It's like, well, this person's supposed to be the pinnacle. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, it's interesting because I've definitely had some patients recently that have really not gelled with um, or really just not had any sort of relationship or one patient said, I just couldn't deal with them um, to when they were dealing with, mm medical specialists who they felt were very much like this. They had this um, mm. very sort of rigid persona and, and getting getting through things, whereas they, they much more had a much more uh, useful relationship with the registrars that were working under them because they were mm. just more similar in age and similar in the way that they, they had conversations. Well, I think it's interesting because if we, if we, you know, the word paternal, you know, means parent-child. So I think if you know, if, if part of the way we we examine this or kind of understand it is that perhaps the way they've been taught is to have you know like a an expert to the patient, but also like a parent-child sort of a a relationship. It's going to be hard for the patient or the client to really 
you know, step into their voice or, um, you know, soften. Is it then the patient's job to soften the rigidity of the of the paternal um, health professional? You know, it's this sort of looking for the cues of the profession, the health professional to kind of guide the relationship. So I can also kind of understand why um, people kind of, you know, I don't know, go along with it up to a point because they, they understand that's the way. But is it really an enjoyable experience? Like your patient said, I really didn't really want to do it. Um, are they getting that connective warmth or are they getting that, that collaboration? If perhaps the power dynamic or the, the dynamic between the, the two in the room is, is implied um, differential and it's a disconnected differential. I think the word that, that stands out to me most there is, is power dynamic. So we're talking about paternalism. Mm. We're talking about really introducing a power dynamic. And I guess I guess I don't want to be too, like, come, come out of the gate swinging on professionalism and say, oh, my God, like, you, you know, you just got to be nuts. You can't possibly have thinking about how you t- how you present yourself and and how that might impact the consult that's that's not i guess it's sort of saying that if we act in a certain way that we're kind of taught or at least the we're implied to to taught by implication that we're told to sort of turn up it can introduce a power dynamic and it's but also that power dynamic is super duper useful in certain circumstances, we think emergency medicine where you have someone who is in charge and kind of has to like rule the scene. You're thinking about even first aid to a certain degree. But in a lot of cases where our consults are, is in a space where, you know, we, it's useful for us to direct the consult and to be able to say, and it makes it a lot easier if we establish a power dynamic of I'm the professional, you're the patient, I give you care, you receive it. But it also just doesn't, you know, how do you feel, I guess, I think about if I was talking to someone who was my boss, who was my manager, and we didn't really understand each other, they weren't really that casual with me, I would be talking and giving them information very differently than if I had someone that I felt like we could chat, I could make mistakes, I could say or be a bit more open with my thoughts and and might have to be like, oh, but maybe that's not what I mean, maybe, uh actually am i explaining this right like we can have that sort of messiness we might actually find out a whole lot more i guess that's that's where i think i think about yeah and i think um i think in the last couple of years um you know by shifting my the way of the way i practice and trying to kind of really be aware of this stuff and intentional um what's happened is i've had more feedback from patients around both their interactions with me and then you know also their interactions with others and it's it's hearing their side of it and hearing them say oh I just felt so scared the whole treatment I didn't well the whole consult and I didn't really want to ask any questions of the professional or I didn't really understand what they said but you know there wasn't much time and and um, just got to take it as I as it comes you know like just hearing their side of the story around their interactions with um, other health professionals it gives us a whole you know level of understanding and to be able to listen and not get defensive is another skill um but to kind of try and hear them in a way that we can uh, you know reflect on um, our experiences and how we could maybe be aware of that or, or use it as a learning process um to kind of understand also the bigger context it's not just um it's not just us it's the whole you know this is how healthcare has been developed mm. um so i think i think it's such a, a valuable way of 
getting a better understanding of how we can move forward because we do want to improve healthcare. We do want to improve our relationships and we want people to um, move them towards their meaningful goals. So I think this is all part of doing that and that's what we're all committed to. It's interesting because I can't help but think about everyone harkens back to the the good old days um, of medicine and doctors and that sort of stuff. And I think you know, there's always there's a there's a kernel of truth that because when you think about the the and to a certain degree it still happens in 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 regional centres to a certain degree, but the the local health professional, the local doctor or the GP was part of the community that people didn't know him as, as Dr. Blobs, Blogs, they knew him as, as Bob. And, oh, it's Bob and, you know, everyone sort of, you, you had a relationship. They sort of, everyone sort of knew each other and, and there was a level of trust built in there because they were part of the community. They were part of, they, they knew a lot more behind everyone. So when someone turned up with a infection or a something else, there was already a lot of, information available to them about who they were, their job, the things that are going on in their life, things that might contribute. And it, you know, then you could have those discussions around all of that. And, and all of a sudden as well, you had a heap of more information to make your clinical judgment on and moving into a space. And I guess it's not sort of saying that we should harken back to that, but it's sort of taking that point of, well, there's that nugget that there was a relation, you know, that that was what made that really, uh, really what people are trying to harken back to there is that there was a relationship, that they saw that that professional as a human being, that the human being was interested in not just their problem, but their whole life and who they were. And that there, there was that development of a relationship that developed into an, an alliance, people were sort of working together. There wasn't a, a hierarchy people respected the, the, the doctor, but the doctor also respected them in terms of, you know, their, their standing in the community and what they provided. And mm. I think that's something that we can take and put into our own practice. Mm. So, Alex, what, what if we kind of come back to the implied that, that we've you know, both experienced through um, undergrad and, and working in the world that we work in, I'm curious what what do you think has been a a big learning moment for you around maybe shedding a bit of those layers or kind of moving towards more of a, a relationship? What's what's been important for you? I think what's what's probably been the the biggest learning situ, sort of situation is realize is thinking about the consults that really went well for me, thinking about. Mm-hmm. why I gelled with that person. And so I think about really good examples of some of the best consults I've had are people who either are really similar age and similar stage of life to me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was very easy for me in the early days when I was think, starting to think about this stuff to sort of shed a little bit of that that professionalism and sort of just connect because it was someone that, I immediately had a lot of uh, connections to similar age, similar stage of life, mm. similar sort of issues. Um, so that, that came up a lot. And, and also people with really similar interests. Uh, so, you know, a side of me that is um, not immediately apparent, apparently is that, you know, I'm really into to metal 
and metal music and you know every now and then you'll have a, have a patient that comes in and they'll, they'll, they'll say a little bit of something and you know you latch onto it and then you know I'll leave the consult and we'll have swapped like band recommendations and you know they'll come back and they'll be like yeah like we just have that that sort of that connection and just even though it's about something completely random um and com- well not random mm-hmm. but completely different to their health it created a connection of, of this sort of person understood me we understood each other and there was just that level of you know where we could talk a bit more so what sort of came out about that for me is is you know i it helped me started to realize like i could open up a lot more i could be a lot more of myself uh and mm. I think there's a level of paying attention to other people. Like I can't always just turn up as myself being a very like large six foot three bald man. Um, (laughs) uh, And also like some of the parts of my personality that might be a bit overbearing. I have to be aware of all that sort of stuff, but a good chunk of it can still be, I can still be, uh, have a very sort of dry or sometimes goofy sense of humor. I can have like play with people a little bit. We can, you know, have conversations, parts of, you know, my consult, like five minutes can be me just having a chat to them about something, um, you know, and approaching it like we're friends. And I think it's not only made things easier, it's often I find people share with me more, there's a lot more interaction. I find, you know, that I can start to bring up some points that are a bit more like delicate. Um, mm. I just find everything a whole lot more easier. And biggest thing is enjoyable. It's nice. strain. Yes. Mm, there's like an ease to it. Ease is a good word. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, yeah, I suppose what comes up for me when you when you kind of share that story, um, and I do think we should get you doing some metal singing stuff at some stage on this podcast, obviously. The outro. <laughs> it's not, like, people like what uh, what Ruby's doing. It's like, mine is like the polar opposite. It's like, it will... We're okay for diversity. It will... We're all for inclusion. The whole point, the, we love that music because it's just calming... It's soothing. It builds on its it, itself. It really like represents so much about our space. Mine is going to be stress inducing. Stress can be positive though. I would deal with it. Maybe like in like episode ten, we could do a could do a Alex <laughs> segment. I think it's got legs. Um, well, I think what came up uh, for me when you were chatting then. Um, I could really relate to that that really scary at point part where I was starting to explore how I could be both um, professional in the sense of like um, provide a quality service, but at the same time really try and break free from the shackles of that paternal system and that we've been kind of encultured. And um, yeah, I remember I remember working with people and you know like sitting on the floor was something that was you know, just, I just did, and I was like, wow, this is new. Or, um, you know, like cracking a joke. Um, or, you know, I start using a whiteboard. Um, you know, I was a bit nervous to do that first because I'm like, oh, 
you know, it's not how we normally do notes. Um, you know, part of my practice is I have a whiteboard and we both take photos of the whiteboard so they've got their notes. Like notes became a bit more transparent in the way that I work. Um, you know, just exploring little things. Like I remember one moment where I, I remember walking to work because that was also the beauty of owning, having your own practices. It's eight minutes away from my home. And it was summer and it was 30 degrees and I was wearing cut-off denim, long-ish, not short, but just shorts. And I paused and was like, oh, my God, I'm wearing denim shorts to work. Like this can't be professional because, you know, the way that I've been drilled professional is you look professional. And I remember having like a stop in the middle of the street. I was like, holy shit, I need to go and change. And then I was like, no, you're providing a quality service. And you're dressed and you're neat and it's hot and you're wearing runners and shorts. And it was just this really interesting moment for me where I was like, no, I'm I'm renegotiating re my relationship with professionalism. Um, and it was funny. I had a lovely patient who, because we built some trust and honesty, I could say to them, hey, I had this moment on the way to work and we had a giggle about it and they would be able to say, I would not even pay attention to what you're wearing. And I was like, okay, next time I'll. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, it was really interesting when you were talking about that, how I was, I was thinking back to what those little pivotal moments where I was really kind of exploring my own little uh, relationship with former me. Um, and how, again, they might seem small on the surface, but to me it really felt like I was stepping outside and, and exploring and playing um, and how that felt really kind of nourishing in a way. I think there's such a, such a good point um, when we bring it back to money and business and because, mm. I mean, that's going to come up, right? Part of the reason professionalism kind of works because it kind of is, it creates this, essentially veneer in a way that kind of says we are the service and you know by looking the part and acting the part we're sort of like we're, we're synonymous then with quality mm. but exactly what you said is that you know if we're thinking about what makes someone go i want to work with them that's a you know i want to work mm. with them and look to a certain degree you know there might be a lot of when we think about more in a corporate world like, hey, you know, I want to work with a firm that just turns up that like I'm a big multinational conglomerate and I just want the firm that turns up that's not going to say anything funky, that's always going to represent me in a very sort of certain way because we're a big multinational corporation and, and that's what we need. We don't need rogue lawyers or rogue, you know, PR firm kind of just being all funky funks. Um, but when we think about on an individual level who we're working with, what makes people want to go, I want to work with that person. And I felt like I got something out of that consult is having a point where they can feel safe. They can feel like they can open up, they can talk with us. They get out of it what they want, that they can have a relationship with, with, with someone that there's, there's the other thing you said was trust and honesty. They can have this sort of point where they can say things like I noticed when I had started having more open conversations and was focusing more on building a relationship with people, they would sort of talk, they would think less and more about what they're saying. Like they would be a lot more open about their thoughts and they're like, is this, is this making sense? Like, and, and, and we could create a point of then saying, you know, it is making sense. And like, thank you for sharing. And we, 
we just got so much more out of the out of the consult. So I think, yeah, I think those that's what really stood out. What you said there is is quality because we can if we focus on what is quality, what is what are, what are people wanting to get out of us uh, our service? What are people willing to pay for? I think it's going to be vastly different to I would like a, like a man or a woman in a um, you know lab coat and that's going to spend 12 minutes with me asking me very detailed questions and not really going to listen to what yeah. I want. The focus is going to be on what they want to get out of it and then prescribing something. Mm. No? <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, we coming back to trust and, and honesty and we've talked a little bit about this already, um, but yeah, how we build, how we build those qualities into our relationship, um, you know, is really in those, those, those moments where we are, say they share something that's a bit more open and we know we can sense that it's something that's a bit more open by them and they're a bit unsure how we meet those moments and how we give it um, space and time and our, our curiosity and, and reassurance and thanking them for sharing. You know, it's how we meet those moments where we can sense that this is slightly different to how we've related in the past. And I think that's really, really valuable um, and having some some kind of softness and tension around as we practice as well. Um, because if it's new for them as well, it's going to be um, it's going to be important or tricky or you know it's going to be different as well. They're going to notice it. Um, and I think from from the feedback that I've got from um, working with people in the last couple of years and especially really inquiring into the patient side and what they need from us is you know that really deep, listening that's non-judgmental and it's it's non it's non-judgmental in not just what we say it's how our bodies are it's how we respond uh you know it's going to be confusing for them if they share something vulnerable and we go that makes sense but our whole body is rigid and kind of rejecting what they say so i think you know i think there's layers to this as well around listening and and curiosity and how it can be both in our verbals but also in in our body and our non-verbals and and you know how quickly we move around the room or um, silences or these sorts of spaces where again we're trying to give a different quality of an experience for the patient um, and to be able to kind of show not tell if that mm. makes sense well hugely like it's 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 saying one thing, but on, but you know, you can, you, we've always had those, those conversations with people where they say one thing and you, they very clearly mean something different. They're like, yeah. And you're sort mm. of like, you don't get this or like, you know, and, and that's not just in consults. That's just like in life. You can sort of just be like that, that, like that person is, you know, I guess it speaks to a lack of like almost confusion for the person. Like, what do they believe? I mean, there's a point there as well talking about, oh, I use this word with, with some trepidation, healing. Because it mm -hmm. can be so easily mis, misunderstood or mis or appropriated for, for other things. But I think there's something, especially when it comes to certain people and certain conditions, something very healing about being able to go to, to a professional and have them listen, validate, and 
actually like engage on on some of some some topics or, or some discussions or some parts of their experience that can often be just ignored like the, the biggest one that comes up that that comes up for me probably more often than not is around the space uh, especially dealing with uh women around space around weight around spaces around mm-hmm the invalidation of some of their symptoms or the lack of receiving healthcare for some of their things. And and I'm by no means an expert in this area, but I've definitely seen, like I saw someone the other day, you know, who, who brought up the weight and said, Oh yeah, no, obviously I need to, I need to lose some weight as well. I know that's part of it. And we just had that. that and I said, look, do you mind if we talk about that? I'm going to be very honest and say like, that's not something I'm going to recommend to you. It's not something that's going to come up at our consults. Here's my thoughts. I'm, you know, I, I practice using a, a healthy at every size approach. You know, mm. how is that? How does that, um, you know, feel for, for me to say that? Or how, how, you know, can can I check in after I've said that? And yeah, I think it's mm. it's really to speak to your point. If I sort of did that as sort of a, I just got to tick this box. Oh, here we go. Oh, yeah, I use a healthy every size approach. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to recommend weight loss. Uh, yeah. Cool. It's very different to then having that space where we sort of go, can I say this? We're just going to put this here. How does that make you feel? Creating a space where that feels really genuine because I mean it genuine, genuinely. I'm not saying other people don't mean it genuinely, but like there's that focus right there on speaking to what you're you're talking about. Well, and you're you're demonstrating a willingness to meet the other. You know, there's an intentional, I want to check in, you know, it's consent, it's how does this land? I want to learn about how my words are impacting you because then I'm going to learn back from that. It really speaks to the collaboration where there's always both people in the room are both a teacher and a learner. And I think that's the beauty, again, of the relationships we're trying to foster is that we're both we can both learn and teach mm. um and um you know, you know that's a been again another big part of of my um process and learning a little bit more and i keep that one front of mind because again it's a lovely way of heading into a, a consult with a, both a beginner's mind but also that space of like I, i've got a capacity to help someone through teaching here or through education or support and guidance but at the same time i'm always going to be learning because we're in a relationship and I don't know everything about that. That's such a huge shift, right? And and speaks exactly again to where we started with professionalism as, and paternalism is that it's a whole sort of, it's a power dynamic and entering into a relationship essentially relinquishes that power dynamic that we become learners or we, we enter a space where it's like we, we, we understand we have to learn more or that we don't know everything. And that can be somewhat destabilizing if if we use if we if we've gotten really comfortable at being the in control it can be really destabilizing and at the same time you know i kind of label it as a strength based approach if we want to use a a term even though i think it's just very dignified and and human but um if we if we look at it from a strength based approach it means that we're acknowledging our strengths and their strengths so it's not we're not handing over the power and going well where we're weak and we don't know things and you know we again go down into like a shame space we're actually staying in that really healthy place of going 
Um, and it's, it's a really joyful sometimes place to be. I, I found it quite, um, you know, it's liberating. That's what I mean by joyful. <laughs> Might not be like happy skippy yeah. around, but the liberation, I, I get a real joy out of knowing that I'm going to learn and that I don't know everything. Like I love that. It just allows me to really sink into the relationship. Um, and it, But it's also honouring honoring and acknowledging what the other person brings. So it's being really solid in myself, knowing that I bring some strengths and some really cool skills into this console. And also so does the other person. But through the relationship, we're going to unearth them. And that's going to be really cool for them and me and our relationship. I, I, I love that, that approach because I'm very partial to... I, I always say, like, in my consults, oh, let's be, like, I'm a cautious optimist. But really, like, th- that isn't completely genuine. I can be very pessimistic. Um, well, I guess, I guess we're, we're, never one, we're never one thing. But it's really easy. I find it really easy to slip into that space of just looking at what we're giving up because that is the risk, like, mm. side of, of things that we're taught about risk and first do no harm and you know when we got into change it's like well what is what is this is this is the approach that we're taught what is the the downsides but i think exactly what you're saying is that there's so many positives and uh, sides of it and if we look at the side of from from that strength-based perspective we can look at what is to be gained what is um you know where are we still an expert in how can we emphasize those those things and then how does some when someone else brings something along how that can enhance that yeah and and the i love the again the layering beauty around this stuff because when you start learning about the other person's strength that's what you utilize to do a exercise program or that's what you utilize to knowing how they learn or how to create a sustainable management plan or just an approach is you're learning about what this person inherently does well or who they are and it's those again it's those human characteristics that are both connecting them to us in a meaningful way and we're oh i hate the word leveraging but we're and i don't even like using because it's such a utility-based thing but we are honoring i think that's a nice word um and making sure that they feature in our approach or in our plan or whatever we're going to do so it means the human is represented the whole way through and it's intentional so if if we were to sort of check in at this point for the podcast and sort of go we've talked about so many different things i guess Mm. with the relationship i'm thinking about how speaking to your point about exercise uh prescription and 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 how that shows up where having a, a positive relationship sort of really shows up in a consult for us. I think that's a good good point. Like because I'm thinking about mm. how if I have a really strong relationship with someone and I'm focusing on these things, it's not so much that I'm actually spending a heap more time on it. I'm just being more intentional in terms of the way that I communicate. I'm being more intentional in terms mm. of well, I'm still talking probably the same amount, probably talking less. But I'm just focusing on how I focus, how everything that I do focuses on the on that conversation. I find out more information. I learn more about that person. And then when I'm thinking about what's happening, like what is my differential diagnosis? I'm thinking about what is my plan? What am I going to do with them? Maybe having to have a tricky conversation 
I'm just thinking about all of those sort of points. It just makes my life so, so much easier and more, or my job so much easier and more enjoyable because then it just feels like I can have that conversation or I know exactly more, I can press on things a little bit more. Like I know exactly what button to press. I know, well, this person's, you know, much more concerned and worried and much more anxious. I know we, we need to probably explore this path or I need to have this conversation. I, I, that That's where I, I see it fair. Would, I guess, would, do you see, how, well, how do you find this all fits in and is this something similar or different? Yeah, no, I relate to um, to all of this. I think, um, like we talked about at the beginning, I'm I can reflect on when I started to have a bit more of a shift to kind of really explore the relationship, and it's become a real interest of mine um, and something that I'm quite um, keen on developing in myself. Um, so some more self awareness and, and self development um, kind of areas, and I think you know what comes up for me is yes, the intention and yes, being aware, um, but perhaps even going a bit further and being really understanding of these, um, how actually we we influence each other in session um, with those really what we might call smaller moments, um, you know, how, how, our, how we show up in, in more than a communicative way, so in an embodied way or a, um, how our biases and beliefs show up in the room in our bodies or even in how we respond to how people talk to us or, um, you know, um, noticing when a patient says something that you don't believe or isn't, doesn't fit in how you see pain and what do we do in those moments and, you know, what do we say, what do our face look like, what's our body looking like, do we just come back with another comment? Um, you know, so I'm really interested in in even that next layer again of around how we actually um, meet each other um, kind of as two, even you know, looked at it as nervous systems, two nervous systems in the same room and how they're interacting with each other. You know, so if a patient gets defensive around something and they go into like a fight sort of response, how is our nervous system responding? Mm. You know, is it going to fight as well and want to tell them they're wrong and that I actually have the same, I have better information or is it going to flight and we're like, shit, the patient's getting all angry. What am I going to do here? You know, or, or does it stop and kind of go, holy, I don't know what to do here? Um, or can we, you know, can we reflect on what is going on for us and find a way to to settle and ground and come back into our centre before stepping into our next moment? You know, I'm really interested in those sorts of, of moments which can happen, you know, 100 times in a, in a consult. So I get that it's, it's a bit different, but I'm... I'm curious around how that fits into your use of, of healing or social connection or relationships as a place to repair or um, approach things differently. Um, you know, I've got one lady I'm working with, particularly when you're talking about the healthy at every size approach, um, who came to see me for, um, you know, abdominal exercises because she'd been seeing a physio for abdominal exercises to strengthen her tummy muscles so that she didn't have more um, issues and I started there with her because that was what was important to her but as we developed our relationship it became more about her sharing her um, experiences with other health professionals that felt really hurtful and um, re, um, re-traumatizing for her in a way and how she had to keep seeing these professionals and how that was actually impacting her body um, 
And she was, as she was talking, she was telling me about how these health professionals were showing up in the room and how their words were different to their body language and how she was noticing these things and how that was impacting her. So as I was hearing this story, you know, I'm reflecting on how can I best show up in the room here to not repeat what they've been doing? So how can I learn about what's actually safe for her and what's not safe for her in a relationship? Um, and that's more of the stuff that we've been then honestly discussing. Um, and and the way we're working together is now more around um, actually kind of um, unpacking for her some of these relationships with other healthcare professionals. And I get to then model and, and have a relationship with her that's different and that meets what she needs and can actually ideally maybe create some repair moments because she's having a relationship with a health professional that I know how she's been hurt before and I'm intentionally creating a space to not repeat that. And that has layers around content, around weight stigma and words and tone and looks and how information gets explained. So my working with her is more around understanding what she needs from me as a health professional on these deeper layers and being able to show up and consistently provide that with her, not just once, but consistently help tell her safety system or her body and her nervous system that I am not a threat. And I do that in lots of different ways, not just through, um, you know, uh, chatting about what's meaningful to us and doing that in an embodied way and a real intention with language. Um, so that's kind of a bit of a, a an insight into maybe how I'm taking it a little bit further and a bit more nuanced. Um, but I'm quite passionate about this space where people have been, uh, who, who are worried about entering the healthcare system and who do see us as a threat because of the way that they've been in relationship with other health professionals in the past. Is, is that, I guess we're hearing that what I'm taking from what you're, what you're saying is that, that, you know, to to a degree, we we do need to be really aware of not just what we say, because that I guess that's that's a really really common thing that we that we see. Um, I mean, like I I I have a communications course, and you know, so I might be part of the problem. Um, but we, you know, that doesn't always talk about this, or at least the introduction to to so many of these things about creating a relationship and and talking about things is more about communication. It's more about what we say. Mm. But what you're talking about there is that there's so many other things that influence a conversation. I guess, you know, we're always taught, taught oh, is it, it's, you know, 1% of how we look or 10% of how we, you know, our facial expression, but like 85% mm. of our communication comes from the words we use or there's, there's some sort of breakdown and I think we can focus so much on the communication, but what you're highlighting there is how, at least that's what I'm picking up, is how the communication for her didn't match the environment, didn't match the, the, uh, the expressions, the movements, how that, that person operated their actions and how that created the environment where she, I'm guessing from that, felt a lot more judged. And I guess my, my question for you sort of bringing up this is how, if we've got someone who wants to pay more attention to that, or that's something where they're going, okay, you know, I'm, I'm want to focus more on a relational approach. 
how we start doing that, whether it's whether that deep level of thought is required for every patient, like what, what we're just exploring that that side of it a bit more. Mm, that's a good question. Well, I think we were, I think we, we were speaking about this before we hit record, and we tend to have great conversations before we hit record, don't we? <laughs> um, <laughs> record our whole lives. No, um, I think it was a real process. So you know, I like I said, I, as I started to explore more who I was out of that paternal lens, I then got a more of an understanding around how I am in relationship if I'm actually genuine and not worried about me being judged. You know, and that gives me then space to be curious about the other. I think when we start to get out of this space of how should I be, to speak to your words again, you know, how should I be as a physio? How should I be as a patient? When we kind of step out of that arena and we can kind of start to explore what does a genuine relationship look like and, and do it gently and slowly. I'm not suggesting we, you know, like you said, rogue physio or, or that sort of line, but but that that sort of um, noticing and then reflecting and putting those things together and then practising. So it's just a little a lovely cycle of have a practice, you know, with a patient, have an interaction, intentionally cultivate something that might be a bit new or is, is you and then reflect on how that went you know I think I got the courage to ask people what did you think about when we did this or you know I'm trying to really intentionally do this how did that go for you or what's your feedback or what do you like about working with me I actually started to do some you know qualitative research because I wanted to know what made a difference to them because I want to know, again, what am I doing well that I can keep doing that you like? And then how can I also approach what, what I'm not doing well? Um, you know, and one of the biggest learning days I had when I had a lovely patient come back for her follow-up appointment and we sat down and she said, I need to be really honest with you. And she went on to explain how I did not meet any of her needs and how even though she felt that I was listening to her, what I then gave as the plan or where I, the direction that I went was too far ahead and it wasn't, it wasn't meeting what she needed in that day in that room. And so she felt like I was not listening really deeply. Um, and she needed to come back and say to me, um, I don't think we can work together. I don't think this is going to work. Um, and, you know, Half an hour, it was really hard. I felt both embarrassed and um, I wanted to make it better. That fix that in me, oh, my gosh, the fixer was so strong. I wanted to fix her in that moment because she was presenting with me another problem or another, you know, issue. Um, and it was, you know, it was really hard and it was a really pivotal moment for me because I was having this patient be really honest and deliver it in the most, you know, kind way. And but just a real realistic way. And to be able for that patient to say, I'm not going to continue along this line because I don't think it's what I need right now. Um, and, you know, she wanted to pay. And that part of me again that I've had to explore and figure out. So the fix I wanted to fix. And I had that pleaser in me wanting to go, you don't have to pay for this. Because I felt so awful around not actually doing a quality job. Um, but that person has taught me so much because in that moment I could reflect 
I had some beautiful, beautiful feedback that was really specific and intentional and the way it was delivered actually taught me how to deliver hard feedback, you know. Um, and so that for me was a really important moment for going, oh, my gosh, I want to, I want to learn more about this because I want to do better by these people. And I thought I thought I did a really good consult. Mm. I thought I nailed it. And I think that was the devastating but also really healthy learning part is that for someone else that I might have known, that might have been what they needed. It wasn't that my content wasn't on point. It wasn't. It was beautiful piece of whiteboarding stuff. Um, but for that person, I ignored or didn't catch on to what they actually really needed in that moment. Um, so for me, it's come from a real curiosity and a, and a real interest. Um, and that, you know, I added to her hurt in a way. I added to her um, what she'd come hoping for, not just relief from pain, but support. I hadn't supported her in the way that she needed. And so I, want, I wanted to be better at that. Um, did I answer your question? I can't remember what my question was. <laughs> it was something about if you want to do more about a relationship. Um, well, um, oh, yeah, no, that's that's very good. No, I, I I do kind of remember, but it was, I guess, where where I wanted to go sort of next is is exploring because so much of it was about you know how much attention do you pay to to all these sort of things, and we're talking about something that that can be quite advanced, mm. you know, further along our journey. Um, yeah, that word. Um, yeah. when we think about it what i what i'm drawing out of that is that there's so many other parts of our communication that we aren't always paying attention to that is communicating mm -hmm. something to our patients which might be changing the meaning like the amount of time like i guess we can just think about our relationships right with with our um uh, with our partners, with with people in our life, like how many people misunderstand what we're saying, and and how much of the time I talk mm. with my wife, and we have these miscommunications, and so much of it's based upon like either our body language or that we're we're anchored on something in the past. Like I think of how much you know I know about her, and how when she says something, I don't always take that at face value. I bring in my experiences with what she's said and done in the past, and it creates this sort of messy space where it should be really, really clear what we're saying and what we're doing. Mm. But it's really messy. Like a classic example, you know, to, to go relationship and then we'll bring it back to the clinic was that she was talking about doing something nice for a friend um, who's had a tragedy in, in her life, it was an anniversary of, 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 a, of a particularly tragic moment in her life and we wanted to do something nice and she was like, maybe a meal, maybe something. It turns out what she really just wanted was go and get some nice olives because she likes olives and we'll get some bread or something. But I just remember being anchored on that meal because she'd show me like this place that did like pre-made meals. So I ended up going out and not only getting olives but meal and this whole sort of thing because that's what I understood because we hadn't had that discussion about what are we really understanding? What are we really doing? We left it sort of vague. I and mm. yeah, I ended up buying a, what I thought was a single meal when she turns out she's now staying with her family. So she just got to eat like this one meal and all other family, like what's going 
<laughs> created this really weird, awkward moment. And when I was talking to my wife about it, she was just like, like I've just told you, like, but to bring it back to the to the clinic, mm-hmm. like we can have so many of those moments, right? Where we're not only communicating something fairly different by what someone else understands, but also like our own stuff, experience, things that we think people need based upon our previous experiences, things that we think that we should be doing because of what we think our job is. Um, you know, we bring expectations, ideas, as well as, you know, there, there can be that disconnect and none of those things we, we explore, right? Yeah, there's lots of shoulds and I think that takes us um, out of the now. It takes us, you know, projects us into into a, another another place where there are expectations and assumptions and potentially as well with the relationship set up historically the way it is with the expert, it's seen as weakness potentially to check in with the patient and go, hey, well, how did that land with you or what are you thinking? Like that, that sort of... Um, inquiry is you know to me has not been seen as as perhaps valuable obviously you know it's getting more airtime now um in our world but to go back to um when we maybe um go back into our should world we might then regress into our um you know that that place where we're not sure and that can come out again um so i think there's there's lots of layers around where to start and, and what all this means, but I do think that paying attention in the moment, again, we kind of keep coming back to how can we be there and be paying attention to the person in front of us and be paying attention to ourselves um, and, and being in that relationship in a present way um, and it's difficult because we've got to hold all of our maps and our hypotheses and all that information. We do. We're saying this is challenging. I don't want to say that this is easy, but it is really challenging. Um, and we do have to kind of dip into our maps and our hypotheses, hold them there, and then come back into the space. And and I think that checking in and making sure how it's landed is a lovely way to build trust mm-hmm. and build honesty. Because if you're going, hey, I'm not sure how that landed, like how how'd it go for you? And they go, oh, I don't really understand it. You're like, oh great, thanks for feeding that back now. I can, let's try again. Like it builds that, that trust and ability to go, like I might not have got that how I thought. What do you think? And then I actually care what you think and let's have another go. Um, you know, all of those moments are building in exactly what we want in these relationships, which is an ability to, um, you know, rupture and repair in a way, which is relationships in, in general is, is harmony and disharmony harmony and disharmony but it's showing up for both of them is i guess to sort of start bringing bringing it around to to how or bring it back to some points of of, of so people can take away and and, and apply this a bit more maybe mm. neatly i mean the whole point of this is it's messy uh, i think of and the way sometimes i teach this or introduce this to, to people that maybe you're just starting out on this journey or, or, or maybe not as open to it is, is the idea of, of coaching. Mm-hmm. So, so much of what I think about in some of my roles, um, you know, specifically in my role, you know, as, as a strength and conditioning coach, when I'm, when I'm doing that is about the relationship really, because we're trying to help 
I'm trying to help someone get from point A to point B. And ultimately, they're doing the work. Um, they're doing the things. I'm there guiding them. But at the end of the day, they're setting the start, the end. Um, they're presenting the context. They're having to share with me what's what the problems are. I'm having to help guide them through solutions. And it's a guide. It's not a, I can't say, like, and there are times where we say, maybe give this a go. Or maybe, you know, maybe we're going to try this. And that kind of hides the real, what the real thing is, which is someone's struggling and they're coming to me because they trust what I think. They trust my knowledge and, they, and they're going to share something with me and then I can help them about that. And some of that might just be, oh, you know, my bench press is a bit, feels a bit crap. Um, but mm. some of it might be, look, I'm really struggling like with my injury to feel like, feel safe using my knee after having this long history of pain and, and both of those situations are situations that, and conversations that I've had where we, where we go and, and, and part of it is, is having that relationship. And I think about then, you know, that coaching mindset shifts are uh, uh, what we do, how we turn up for that person. It's not about, oh, we're fixing their knee now. It's like, how do we create an environment where they can share this information that we can guide them back because ultimately if they're going to do exercise they're going to do movement they're going to go out into some in some sort of sport they're the one doing it like we're yeah. not the one doing anything does how, how does that sort of land is that does that make sense mm. for you or is or is that is that maybe too simplistic no no i love i love stepping into a coaching again it's an intentional um and probably really relatable um word and you know um role that makes sense for um i suppose people who are hopefully listening is that um it's a lovely way to kind of again renegotiate or in, in explicitly kind of go i'm not fixing you i'm guiding you i'm walking alongside and coach gives that space around support and soundboard and some ideas and you know again we can kind of think about what does a coach mean to people um but I love that. I love that. I think that's a, a lovely way of, um, yeah, like stepping out of our shoulds mm. in a way um, and giving it a, a framework and a structure which feels collaborative and like we spoke about, can you use your expertise but you're also checking in with the, the coachee mm. uh, around are we coaching effectively? Is this working for you? You know? Um, no, I love that. I think mm. that's good. Um, I think something yeah. that comes up for me i think like when i've hit tricky parts or like things that i'm really not sure about just generally in in life it was interesting because so back when uh years ago now uh, i've sort of stepped out of this space but for i think it was about like seven years of my life i was um doing kickboxing and muay thai and part of being in that space is, um, you know, it can be quite an intense space. Um, you know, you're physically hitting other people. So you have to have a lot of trust and, you know, it's an environment that naturally that, that good gyms create where, you know, you, you get to know people, you trust them. You're about to try and punch them in the face. They need to know there's nothing behind that. Um, yeah. But it created this environment as well that like, you know, when you're having good days, when you're having bad days, like it shows up and people can see how you react, how you're taking things. Sometimes it's really challenging because it's a competitive environment, really competitive. 
Yeah. And so, you know, when I was hitting, you know, tricky points, my coach was someone that, you know, that would talk to about things, about challenges, about stuff. And, you know, they weren't an expert. They weren't someone that, um, you know, they weren't a therapist. They weren't anything. They, they, they were sort of just a coach that someone just knew me and seen me in a bunch of different situations that I trusted. And I sort of said, hey, what do you think about this? You, you know me, you know what's going on, mm. you know. Um, we have a level of trust that that was someone that I felt comfortable going with. And I think about when we think, I think about healthcare and we think about relationships, a therapeutic alliance, I guess that's what I try and hopefully create with people, that uh, a relationship where they can feel comfortable, you know, when I give them my email address and I say, look, if there's anything, you know, that comes up and, and I give my email address to, to all my patients and I get very few emails for how much I give out, which is a fear of some, that some people will have. Um, but yeah, I, I give out a lot and, and, you know, I, every now and then I do get an email back saying, Hey, you know, I'm just hitting this tricky situation. Like, what do you think? Should I come back to you? Should I go somewhere else? What do I do in this situation? And I guess that's kind of, where I try and aim for in a way, which is tricky. It's not easy. We've got a lot of other things that we're supposed to do in a consult, but I guess I hope people sort of feel when they leave, they feel like that they could do that with me, that they could go, Hey, you know, mm. can I ask you a question about something? Mm. Mm. And I love that. Um, reminds me of one of my, um, you know, just word of mouth referring patients. She's great for me, um, but she's someone who will now go, hey, um, have you got, when have you got a spare half an hour? Can we soundboard something? And that might be our consult now, but she'll just say, this is what I think is going on. You know, this is what I reckon I need to do. I just want to check in with you if you think that plan, you know, sounds on, on point. And I might ask some questions, you know, or if I need to say I need to see you to check out some things, but, you know, add in my expert question curiosity um and then we continue on the plan but she's the one reaching out and she's going hey this is what i think and it's not like a dr google this is what i think it's based on all of our experiences before and how we've treated her tendon overloads or progressively loaded her or you know it's based around her me knowing who she is and also knowing how she learns and how she needs to advocate for herself as a 45-year-old female and how that's so important for her at where she is in life right now is that she feels like she knows what she needs in her health, um, but from that place where she's asking still the people with, with knowledge to say, does that make sense? Am I on the right track? Where do I need to tweak this? Um, and I love that because that ability to have agency and hope in her own pathway and be able to use me as a soundboard but also you know I've got some knowledge and she would listen to where I'm like hey I don't think that's I think we need to tweak this um but I love that that's the the relationship we now have um and she refers people on to me saying this is how she'll work mm. with you um and speaks to the experience as well how good is that from a business perspective mm. that you not only have this like great client that's like referring the exact people that want to work with you, but like, you <laughs> I guess I bring this up to sort of bring it back to a space of, well, actually like this is, 
this is still like a financially viable approach and model. And if anything, like I think about it, always works better in certain uh, as as in a long term sustainable sense as well. That you have this. It's a, it's a sustainability yeah. thing. Yeah. Like in the long term, you create this space that not only is good, like great to work in, but you have people come back and say, "I want to come back and I want to have a consult with with this person where I just sit down and we just have a review and talk about everything in my plan and that we've created that trust yeah. rather than her just googling it and, and having a go. Like from a business perspective, amazing, right? You have people coming back. And, but from a, from a patient perspective, they get to go, well, I get to go to someone and I get to confirm what I'm thinking. I get to feel this comfort, this sense of confidence now in a plan that's going ahead. And I think about like the, the thing to sort of normalize in, in this sort of point is, is that, you know, we don't have a lot of coaches in our, in our life. Like when I talk to runners and I said, you know, should we have a running coach? They're like, no, I don't know. I don't need a running coach. It's just running. You know, oh, I don't need a, you know, I don't mm. need, uh, a, you know, someone to help me in clinical practice. Like I just do my courses and I'm a professional. I know what I'm doing. I have mm. a, I have a clinical coach. I have a, <laughs> a business coach. I have a, I've had a, I have a therapist at times to help with certain things. Um, you know, you've already talked about, I've talked to my um, kickboxing coach. <laughs> like there's something normalized there as well. I think that, that we don't have, which is that you know we we don't have all the answers we we shouldn't be expecting to know everything and that having a relationship with other people to help soundboard things off to talk about things to to share with is incredibly helpful yeah and i think um i agree with all of that um to add another layer to my story is that she's also got her son to see me um, and it's in, she's she's um, got him to see me from that relationship point of view because she now, you know, understands how important it is for her. Um, he's now seeing me in this space again of um, not necessarily a pain coach. Um, he has different physical um, kind of um, I suppose issues or problems, you know, but she has said, I would like him to see you from this place of having someone that he can go to and be able to say, hey, I need to see Kit this week because I want to I want to check in about this or I want to talk about this. And it's proactive rather than reactive. And it's creating that non-judgmental safe space again where um, he can again create his own agency around his health. So this sort of this generational shift as well where if the mum's doing this and we're teaching and we're thinking about persistent pain and pain and injury into the next you know 40 50 60 years how can we also create this loop around learning and teach our kids around it so that they're better prepared as well so i love that she's um, getting her kids involved as well intentionally from this um, kind of relationship centered non-judgmental sounding board you know um, she's not an expert but she can help mm. support and guide and coach um, and then for kids to see us as coaches as well, um, I think that's another a powerful shift that we have the capacity to impact right now um, with the, with the people we see and and the the families and the and the the communities that come come with the patients we see. The I I the thing that that comes up for me most during that 
from from what you're saying is I'm just thinking about what's the probably the most common reflection that I have when I'm talking to someone and they're they're telling me about their problem. The number one thing that I end up probably ref reflecting back the most is that is validating that people are coming in and they're like, I don't really have a problem per se. Like the problem's not bad, but they're like, they're worried about the future. They're trying to come in proactively mm. and they're trying to, um, they're worried about their overall health, but they're, there's some trepidation about doing that. They're like, well, I don't really have a problem. Or I don't have a definable problem that fits into this model of what, we think, you know, healthcare should be. And they, they, there's mm -hmm. kind of this trepidation of like, and, and a lot of them will say, am I making this up? Like, I'm not sure, like, am I making this up? Is it all in my head? I'm like, it's absolutely not. Like you're coming in with a legitimate concern about your body that you're worried that it's it's either there's something now or there's something that's going to happen in the future. And this is it's something that enough that you are willing to take time out of your day to come and see a professional and pay money there's something, there's always something there. There's always something that we can, you know, talk about, discuss. There's always something that, that we can be doing, even if that is reassurance, validation that, that of the concern, reassurance and, and a plan for how, you know, what we can do in the future if something was to turn up. Like these are all interesting, like valid things, but it's interesting because it's like, it's, it's, it's something that we feel like healthcare should be doing, but it's, it's, kind of it's not what people are understanding mm. Mm. and I think this you know this is going to be part education part of the process as well is to kind of also help the people we're seeing understand that we want to be in a relationship centered approach and that we are trying to shift how we um, enter a relationship and how we engage in it you know, so many people come to us still expecting the, the expert paternal lens. And I think part of this is, again, it needs to be show, don't tell. Sometimes it might be, hey, this is how I work. But it really, I think, comes into the consistent showing as well. Um, and that's, I think, the hard work because it's, it, you know, it's day in, day out. And it's, it's sometimes it's pushing shit uphill a little bit because of the amount of people that still work in the, the um, expert patient paternal way. Um, but I think it's taking the time to really value that the change that we're trying to promote is meaningful and takes its time. Sometimes the slowness is actually the sustainability. Um, keep, keep holding that in mind. I think this is potentially a really nice, nice point to end. What is it? Was there anything else you would add? Or I think the other thing is, is how, how would we, encapsulate our chat into like if someone's listening to this and going i want to be making these changes like what would what would how would we be encapsulating when giving people start points i think the first one is is naming that you know intentionally stepping into something different um is a thing that actually you know requires some thought and planning and, and paying attention and that's the first thing I would, would say is start noticing or paying attention in a different way. Um, that'd be my first point. I'll go to you for the second one. <laughs> Giving you time to think. You're like, that's my one point. 
Yes. What's the next one? Thanks, Alex. You didn't set that up for me really nicely as well. Like I, I sort of gave you a, a nice intro in terms of like a, a big loop and you're like had time to think and now you're just like, bang, you speak. I heard, I heard your body. I saw your body say dot points for people who want to skip to the end of the podcast and get the answers. <laughs> well, so. I think there is no answer. Um, but I, I think, I think to speak, yeah, I think I completely agree with your point, which is you start to notice once you start to notice, it becomes easier to do something about it. And once you start to name things, it becomes mm-hmm. a lot easier then to recognize it in other situations. And I think beyond that is going to be about making small changes, not big changes, uh, where we see, like I see it all the time, you know, people talk about pain science didn't work. Um, or, you know, I tried to pain science this patient and it backfired. And so pain science doesn't work. Like I see that a lot of the time and so much of it is because everyone's trying to make a big change really quick both in themselves but in their patients and i think if we start with something small like thinking about and this builds on on the noticing build thinking about so how how do what i do influence how is what i think i'm supposed to do influence how i show up that, that level of professionalism. How do I turn up in a in a in a consult that and do things and say things in a way that might create a power dynamic rather than an alliance of, of equals? How can I start to emphasize good parts? Or not there's good or bad parts, but how what are some of my strengths and my personality and in, in my approach? I mean, I know mine is um, you know, I could be a lot more goofy. Um, at times that I can be a little bit more absurd um, or or I like to make quick wit, you know, um, quick wit sort of points. And sometimes, yes, they will be rehearsed <laughs> or not rehearsed, but like well-worn jokes. Um, but that's something that I can, that I can bring in, like just starting from these sort of smaller points, um, thinking about, you know, when I say something, what the rest of my body might be doing, like taking one or two things for a period of time, paying attention to them and and then saying, how can we change those slowly? Well, I think, yeah, like maybe gathering data is the first step rather than looking to change immediately because that might have that implied um, message that you're wrong. Whereas if we can notice and kind of collect data on ourselves or collect data on the relationship, you know, put it in the data frame to become use the science part of our brain. You know, let's do some noticing. Let's I do that with patients all the time. Like you're going to go away for two weeks and do some data collection. And then we're going to use that to understand where our lowest hanging fruit is for success, for change or for growth. So I think a lot of the time maybe it's it's noticing and collecting data and maybe picking one thing or two things, like you said, around like what happens, and again, collect some more data. To to add to your point about data collection, data collection, you know, we often think about as being like us collecting the data, but or, or thinking about reflecting on that and, and working with that. But you know, one of them can be exactly like what you know you've done, Kit, where you've gotten some great feedback from patients. It might be finding patients that are willing to have that discussion mm-hmm. you know, after the session, following up on. It might be. If you're worried about how that's going to affect your clinical practice, it might just be paying attention to people that cancel and having that really difficult conversation of calling mm-hmm. them saying, look, I noticed that you cancel. 
you know, and we haven't booked. And it might be someone who then hasn't come back for a period of time. Cause you never know. You might call someone and be like, why haven't you come back? And we have this really deep conversation. They're like, mate, I'm on holiday. <laughs> I'm on a business trip. <laughs> like I'm your farm. Like, um, yeah. but there might be, there might be some point in there. And that's, that's not to say that that's, that's easy. I mean, I know the level up initiative sort of did, uh, some stuff on this where they were talking about, yeah, having those really tricky mm. conversations. That's something, those are all learning things sort of points. Mm. Definitely. Mm. Well, and also, um, like we've talked about engaging in spaces with mentors or, or coaches where we can then explore this data that we've collected in a, in a again, in a, in a, in a curious, non-judgmental way. Um, to learn about ourselves um, because we, you know, we don't learn about ourselves by staying in our own echo chamber. That's, mm. I think, the, the something that can trip us up a little bit. I'll just think about it a lot. That'll help. You know, <laughs> I, I, I love that people think, but that's what we want, but there needs to be a point where we explore our thoughts and, and get other views and maybe understand where we could think about it differently or, or approach it differently. Um, classic my partner um you know before we started doing doing therapy together as well but he used to think he reflected a lot and what he found out through therapy was that he thought a lot in his head um and he wasn't actually really reflecting much he was kind of just looping his thoughts and, and arriving at his same place um so what's been really healthy and, and helpful for him as a person um, it's helped our relationship and our family and, and his work relationship has been around exploring his thinking um, and seeing other points of view and, and, and becoming, you know, getting into conversation, bringing his data um, and seeing how it matches up with other people's data. Um, and that's really been helpful to expand his worldview and to understand himself a bit more. Um, that's such a powerful thing is, 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 I think that's the encapsulation is matching our data with, other people's data and mm. where, where we're seeing that disconnect then can be a point of discovering. And, and so much of what we're talking about isn't so much completely changing what we're doing. It's just giving a different perspective on what a therapeutic alliance or a therapeutic relationship is. And we take that different perspective. It, it just subtly and slightly, but quite powerfully impacts what we do mm. exactly. Or the attention that we bring to the same things that we do. But, but ultimately completely changes the outcome. Yes. There you go. There's your dot point. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the time to end. Uh, thank you, everyone, for, for joining us. Uh, we've been Real Clinicians, Real, chat, real Chats. Uh, if you want to follow us, you can follow us on social media. So that's uh, we've got our social media for the podcast, Real Clinicians, Real Chats, on Facebook and Instagram. You can email, email us as well. Real clinicians, real chats at gmail.com. If you want to follow follow me, uh, I'm on social media, the rehab podiatrist, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Uh, you can visit my website, the rehab podiatrist.com. Where, where do people find you? Um, I am Wise Ways Kit on Instagram, Wise Physiotherapy on Facebook. Um, and probably visit my website, www.wisephysiotherapy.com.au. Um, to read a bit more about my approach. 
We'd love to hear your thoughts uh, as well. Part of what we want to do is, is create a community and a space where we have these conversations. So if there are things that stand out, there are things that, that um, you like, let us know. Send us an email, jump on our, on our social media. If you liked anything that, that you've heard and want to engage with us as well as mentors, coaches, uh, professional development content creators, uh, you can also get in contact as well through our website or through our social media. Uh, can, until... I, can I ask one more question? What happened with um, the dishwasher, the Swedish dishwasher? The last time we heard it was called on thin ice and it was query whether it was going to stay. It has to stay because we've spent too much money on it. But as, as I've already told someone else, it has an extra dry function and, and nothing is extra dry. And <laughs> I am incredibly disappointed. Okay, so that relationship is still somewhat thin ice. My, my wife and I, we have spent a long time reflecting. Uh, about our purchase and while we are not completely satisfied with with what we have purchased we've reflected and understood that it was the only thing that we could do at the time given the fact that we had a gigantic hole in our kitchen and detest actually hand washing dishes so that makes sense thank you for answering my question i've been wondering no problem. And, and thanks to everyone for, for if they've stuck around this long for listening. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll be back soon. Bye-bye.